welcome to the podcast series Raw Talent with me, Fiona Abrahams, founder of Fashion Heaven Inc., in which I am deep diving behind the scenes into the careers, aspirations and inspiration of the many skilled and talented individuals who enable the fashion and creative industries to evolve and flourish and who have been generous in sharing their experiences, insights and vision, particularly when it comes to sustainability and flourishing in a digital-led consumer world. In Series 4, Episode 5 of Raw Talent, I am speaking with Rebecca Rodden, founder of Ella Room. Rebecca's career evolved in a 21-year stint at Ted Baker, rising from receptionist to buying director across two decades, during which we have experienced the evolution of technology, making a revolutionary impact on the way in which fashion is consumed and experienced. During her time at Ted Baker, Rebecca worked across men's and women's clothing, accessories, footwear and licensed products with the mission of continually evolving the Ted Baker brand through innovation and diversification in response to the ebb and flow of a changing global consumer. 2020 has shaken many established businesses and stepping out into a brave new world, Rebecca is embarking on a new chapter inspired by a desire for balance expressed in her soon to launch brand, Elo Room. Hi, Rebecca. Welcome to Raw Talent. Hey, Fiona. How are you? So lovely to be here. Lovely to have you on this very beautiful sunny day. We are very much basking, aren't we, in this lovely weather? Oh, yes. It's heavenly. It makes after what feels like an unusually long winter. It's just such a sea change and so good for the soul. I love it. Absolutely. I could not have said it better myself. So you are originally from Australia and we've adopted you into our cosmopolitan UK family. What brought you to our shores? Well, on the subject of weather, it certainly wasn't the weather. Yeah, I've lived in London now for about 25 years and love it because, I mean, not many people get to choose where they live. Um, My then fiancé and I decided rather than spend loads of money on a big wedding, we'd spend the money on going travelling. So we travelled around the Far East, um, travelled around Europe and then decided to get married in Gretna Green, which I don't know if you know Gretna Green. It's a famous elopement place on the border of England and Scotland. And he, my husband was born in Glasgow, so, but we met in Australia and we thought, you know, let's go there and arrange that. We got married in the blacksmith's shop in the manor and yeah, the actual ceremony itself was, is quite a story. Um, because I walked into the blacksmith and my husband is there looking like he is going to be sick. And I was like thinking, God, it can't be that bad. (laughs) And and I looked around and we only wanted a small wedding. We told people and we were expecting, you know, we planned for that to 10 people. I turned around, looked at the room. It was full of people. A surprise, my husband's sister had uh, arranged a surprise guest party of all the relatives from Glasgow. So it's like two coachloads of people were at our wedding ceremony, um, people we didn't know from a bar. So it was, yeah, a couple with the, the excitement of getting married. We had, yeah, the excitement of meeting all these new relatives. So, yeah, that was a story in itself, but it was a beautiful day. And I never want to have a what if and coming here was a what if and 25 years, two children later, we're still here. Uh, there's something about London, there's a buzz about it that I love um, and it's kind of what recharges my batteries at times. 
Absolutely. And I think everyone says the same thing. And I know I'm a born and bred Londoner, but whenever I travel or used to travel, you just, there's something you can't put into words about London that you feel the minute your feet touch back down on British soil. It's just a weird thing. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. And I hear this from across the board, across our global community. um, As you, we have a very global community in the fashion industry and um, everyone says the same thing. So there's definitely something really special about London. And hopefully when things fully get going again, we'll get to start experiencing that properly. Yeah, she'll come back. She'll come back. And I think, you know, certainly in terms of fashion, it's one of the best places in the world for, you know, getting inspiration. There's so many different looks, so many different tribes, for want of a better word. So even just going across the Thames, you just get that feeling and looking at the architecture as well. It's like, so it's beautiful and the energy absolutely so 21 years at Ted Baker Uh where your career evolved from a receptionist to fine director let's touch on the last five years where digital evolution has very much revolutionized the way much of the world consumes and experiences fashion how did this impact your role in particular well I think the digital evolution has made the world a smaller place. And I think it's important to remember here that it evolved, whereas in recent times with COVID, you know, we've had to pivot quite quickly on things. You know, we had, looking back now, the luxury of time to move and grow with that. Certainly for the business, it created a lot of opportunity because online, you know, the walls, there are no walls. So you could really grow a lot of categories of things that, you know, thrived online. For example, shoes, fantastic online because who wants to, you have to bought shoes, you want to walk around with a box of shoes all day where once you know your size, you can go back and, and it's so much easier. Things like accessories as well. So we we're really able to grow and develop categories. On the other side of that too, we really had to change a lot of the ways in which we worked we had to think about from design then through to buying how that product looked online on screen you know making sure there were elements of the collection that really jumped out to the customer in a different way to how they would on the shop floor it was also thinking you know it made the categories because the genders and everything are split then into categories like dresses skirts trousers shirts really making them work so much closer in the development design stage so that everything linked back so there was more outfit building multi-purchases so all of these were were wonderful opportunities and we were able to move resource around to accommodate that it also made departments a lot closer because we had to work we worked then more with marketing and the visual side of it so we had a strong story from the get-go and one thing that actually made a lot easier was for the stores to do their mannequins and their outfits because they could look online and then see where the inspiration was coming from and it was coming straight from the design team and the buying team rather than them sort of waiting for information, second-guessing how we wanted things to be pulled together. So there was and still is a lot of opportunity around it. Yes, that makes perfect sense and brilliant to have the online example for the stores to follow. So it's, it's sort of had a really positive effect really. Yeah. Other things we had to consider as well, because, you know, it's a wholesale and a retail business. So we had to, as the world shrank, think about delivery dates and phasing that it coordinated across the whole business. 
And then we were in different partners, say like John Lewis, Selfridges. It's like how, what's the compelling offer to go and buy Ted Baker on Ted Baker online, John Lewis online, Selfridges online. So how you pulled and manipulated the collection, doing SMU special makeup units and exclusive lines for each of those channels. So it became a compelling proposition for all those different houses. Yes, absolutely. What would you say are the standout achievements from your experience at TED? I think, I believe, I've got a few of them. Certainly it was building the partnerships, particularly in the US. So forming um, partnerships with Nordstrom, Bloomingdale's, really saw a sea change in our business over in the States. And it was, they were great people to work with. And, and it was a real learning. I mean, we had as a brand, we had the same bestsellers around the world. And then it was interesting to tap into their world. And we worked with them on exclusives, really get to, you know, you've got a far better insight into the US culture, their reasons for why the US customers buy, how they tick. Because even though we're both countries that speak English, we speak English in a very different way. So that was just such a, a fantastic learning curve. What did you discover about that? Because I'm interested in what that insight looks like. They're a far more particular shopper than a UK shopper. Okay. They want to know the ins and outs of something. They want to know, certainly, say for the menswear, a lot of it's about measurement, the fabrication in exacting detail. The women's wear could be quite provincial. So some parts of the US would be very similar to the UK and other parts, let's say Texas, for example, super, super glam. Yes, I've heard that before. Probably a bit like, you know, say someone, you know, that up north sort of style. They were really glamorous. So it's quite interesting how it was so varied from state to state. They're a far more particular shopper. Interesting. One of the big standout messages. And they would really embrace a whole look as well. Okay. Which is um, so much less bits and pieces. So yeah, people cherry pick. They almost, you could say in some of the ways of dressing, it almost becomes whether it's a cross between a uniform and a costume, depending on their job, like they'd really dress for that job. Like if they worked in the city or if they worked in a law firm, they'd really go for that particular look where I think here we flex things a lot more. Definitely. This is it. This is what I'm doing. Uniform's not the correct quite the right word but costume's not quite the right word either but they were very much into head to toe this is me and the cold it's a statement look it's almost about this is my look for what I do and then kind of sticking to that look completely okay alongside of that it would be seeing categories grow like the best thing you'd get when you got a bestseller and then you could build on it and grow it and suddenly there was this whole category that was flourishing and you'd get a handwriting to it and a, and a signature and it was just such an amazing thing to be part of and such and that thrill of the chase of getting it in. I mean, that was always just so rewarding. With that, there's the buzz of launching a new collection every season, that whole nervous, excited thing of like, oh, my God, do they like it? What will the feedback be? And you'd kind of be, we love it, we're excited. And and that was always such a buzz. Nice. And have you found as everything has evolved digitally that you would get instant feedback? Yeah, even more so. I Exactly. Yeah, it's quicker. It's just sped things up so much more, which is great because you can react to things sooner. 
you know, e-com is your biggest store, so you can really back things with that. It was great for that. Makes your job easier because if people are instantly telling you what they love, then you can get back into things more quickly. You can kind of spot the things that are going to start to fly out the door. So that must have been fantastic. There was always the opportunity to do online sort of target pre-sales. You know, you go to the core customers, you'd get a feel from them so you could really build things. And just the reward of seeing something too that you, you pitched that you all thought or that I thought you know, we're a team that you thought that's going to be great. And then when it hits down and it is great, that's just such a rewarding feeling. I can imagine. That's so nice. That's the beautiful thing about the job. Yeah. What or who has been your biggest influence and why? Right. Well, in the professional world, I'd have to say it's Ray, who's the founder of uh, Ted Baker. Um, yes. You know, I Big worked Calvin. With, yeah, for so many years and I don't know it's, a rare, unique experience to get to work with someone that has started something from scratch and just to understand how they tick, to be around that sort of energy. I mean, it was a fantastic learning curve and a unique experience that I'll never forget. Yeah, so I'd say professionally he's been my biggest influence. Nice answer. Very good. What has been the biggest challenge in your career but also a great learning opportunity? It's managing, like you said earlier, the ebb and flow of business. So it's good when things are growing, building, and then with that you need to do that in a controlled way, you know, mitigate risk. Then on the other side of that, you know, there's a natural contraction. And I think often with the contraction there can be more change, changing resource, change with the team, and it's managing that with other people because, yes, this is fine, this is good, this is what we need to do, but it's getting people comfortable with that because not everyone's comfortable you know I don't know who would be actually comfortable with change but it's managing that with a wider team and as the team got larger getting that groundswell with everyone so I'd say that's a challenge managing other people's responses to change and being I'm quite an empathetic person so dealing with that in a way that's not draining my resource so to speak yeah absolutely because you want to support people but kind of not to your own detriment so you've kind of got a of the business either yeah yeah a hundred percent and it that is challenging very challenging and change is something that we have to weave into everything we do because I think the fashion industry is the epitome of change it's always changing you you can go from season to season where you put something that you've relied on before out and it falls flat and you're like, what happened? Then you can put new things out and they don't work and then you put other new things out and they do work. So it's always about that flexibility. Uh-huh. I mean, you sometimes find that quite difficult to get their heads around, I suppose, and know what the learnings are. Have you ever yeah. noticed that? Sometimes when it's takes a particular category or, it's, or, you know, in the background it's one particular personal group of people constantly trying to work through that it's keeping them focused motivated on the right track certainly they would put you know it was great with the team they put so much energy and enthusiasm into it and if it wasn't working out in quite the way they wanted it to it was how how do you keep them motivated how do you keep them wanting to you know try new things and do new things rather than just sort of having that whole oh I'm not going to bother anymore type thing 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think the people side of it's always the biggest challenge. What did you enjoy most about your life as fine director? One of those things is the people, the energy that they yeah. bring, the different backgrounds, the different thoughts on things. You know, when you have, you know, I love the creative process. It's what makes me tick. People used to ask me, why have you been doing this job for so long? And I go, because <laughs> I love it. I love creating things. I love that when when something works and then the problem solving when it doesn't work and just then with that the team and their insight into things and I would say now working for myself that's one of the things I miss that whole working with people in that day-to-day thing it was so rewarding the energy that they bring it's almost like there's something about it that you're all attracted to each other in a way that works and gels that's that's a good thing about teamwork isn't it and a good team Absolutely. You all kind of bounce off one another. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's just an amazing vibe. Yeah. It makes you get up in the morning. It makes you yeah, very exciting. Completely. You know, you'd have some fantastic creative conversations and just that whole dialogue, you know, that was the rewarding part of it. And, and working as a collective to, to create this vision. You know, we sometimes say whenever a collection hit down, it was almost felt like it was Christmas. You'd be opening up the boxes, looking at the at the samples, looking at or when it kicked down in a store or brand yeah. new. You just get that sort of Christmas morning feeling of like, oh. Absolutely. It's so exciting. Mm. I think that's just why people love fashion. Yes. <laughs> Completely. Completely. How do you feel stepping out of corporate life and into the world of entrepreneurship? Exciting. And it's yeah. scary, uh, <laughs> all in equal measure. Yeah. Uh, there's a liberation to it where I sort of am like, yeah. oh, I can do what I want. <laughs> um, I think also Ted Baker was a very entrepreneurially run business. So yeah. I sort of had a taste for that and it seemed like the right thing to do to explore that more and build on on that part of my career more at this point in time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the timing's actually been quite interesting. You know, it's like that thing when you think about getting a red car and you see red cars everywhere. And now that I'm doing, you know, I'm starting this, I speak to so many people that are doing a similar but different, you know, it's not not in the fashion world. It might be in, you know, they're opening a shop or they're starting a coffee shop or they're starting, you know, this, that. But I see so many more people doing that now. But yes. I don't know if it's that kind of red car theory where how your brain works, you think about getting one and then you see it everywhere. So there's been a huge explosion in people uh. own ventures. And whether that's just come about because I think one of the things I've noticed or I've heard from people is just the, the liberation of not being tied to office hours and being able to suddenly get their work done and be in control of their time has made a massive difference to people like people's lifestyles where you can pop out and go around to the shops if you want to. You could go for a jog at lunchtime. You know, you've suddenly got all this flexibility that you can build in and still get yeah. work done and be entrusted. And I think it's empowered people. To yeah. Think, Gosh, you know, I want to make changes. Um, yeah. I've certainly heard that from a lot of people who have just yeah. decided now's the moment. I think there's, this, even if you work for a company now, there seems to be a change in having that flexibility and even when I talk to people that are, you know, say you're a teacher and you're sort of really tied into those hours, the whole thing is, well, I want to do that, but I want to think about how I can factor in 
my side hustle or I can flex my hours so I have, you know, I can go and do a yoga class or this or that. So there seems to be this mindset of wanting that that work-life balance, that much healthier work-life balance rather than this whole sort of wounded masculine way of being of like work, 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 work till you have worked to the ground Um, because it's no as rewarding. I think that's the takeaway from the pandemic is Mm. forced change much faster and it's made it very clear that when people are entrusted to just do their work and they're not tied into this relentless treadmill actually Mm. they're a lot more productive the quality of the work goes up Mm. and they're much more appreciative and I think I was talking to one of my clients out in Sweden and we're about to start working on a role and she said to me um I said what are your hours and she said we don't have any people very much need to be entrusted and treated like adults and I think you get so much more from them when they are given a bit of freedom a bit of flexibility completely and everyone has their own unique working pattern I think as well where you know I'm like be more productive in the morning so I'm going to do all of these things in the morning and then I know after lunch I'm not you know not so great so I'll do that kind of thing so it really gives people you know the flexibility to self-manage and I think that's the the beauty of working for yourself as well you can really fine-tune that to fit in with your lifestyle and I think that is just so important these days It's very empowering. You're absolutely right. It's the answer, isn't it? And it's the way Mm. that it should be. Completely. We're not, yeah, it's not school days anymore. Not school days anymore. Absolutely. So tell us about Ella Room and what it means, first of all, and your intention behind the brand. Okay, so Ella Room means joy of life in Estonian, and that's where my father's from. I think it's really lovely that they have one word for that. What I'm working on, it's all about expression, mood and mindset. I think for me, dressing is an opportunity to express yourself and to reflect your mood or to boost your mood or maybe for pure escapism. And so with that in mind, it's completely interwoven how you feel, how you dress. It all just links in together. And I think dressing should be a pleasure and this is a message I want to share with the world. So sharing on styling tips, sharing on wardrobe hats on how to streamline your wardrobe, how to appreciate your unique body, your unique style. So you've got some good fundamentals there. Mm-hmm. And then from there, building on it to have a wardrobe that you don't, you know, if you're decision fatigued and time poor, you know you've got things that just sit together. and. Along with that, I put a range of dresses together. And alongside of that too, I'm sharing my love of yoga and meditation because I think that ticks into sort of having a strong morning routine, setting intentions for the day. All of that clicks into how you start the day. You get your mind right. You've got the dress. Then you, you know, to reveal your best self and be your best self and, you know, go through the day feeling as confident and beautiful as you possibly can having the right tools there to do that with. I love that. So exciting. I just can't wait to see it. And I think the messaging is so appropriate for where we're at this moment in time. Mm. But yeah, it's very exciting. And to give people Mm. the confidence, they can wear things that make them feel amazing. Because what we put on 
definitely has an impact on how we feel and how our days go. Completely. I mean, I'm sure everyone's had a day where they get into, a, I don't know, 11 o'clock in the morning and you're like, either, I don't know, your, your feet are killing you because your shoes hurt or suddenly something's a bit tight or you then go to the bathroom and you're like, oh, God, what was I thinking? <laughs> 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 and it's really yeah, not have those moments because who needs to start that negative voice off in your head? So it's really about just having that really strong foundation that if when you lead a busy life and you're on the go, you want to have something you can put on that you know whatever the day throws at you, like suddenly you're going out after work or you're doing this or you're doing that. You don't have to think, oh, but I don't have the right this because it's it's having a, a wardrobe that you love. We spend a lot of money on clothes and we should love our wardrobe. We should love all the clothes. Really? those things shoved away in the dark, gloomy corner never to return. And I think it's it's making everything that you have work for you. Absolutely. I think that is the key. Making smart purchases so that we don't buy things that we don't wear. I was thinking to myself actually over the last month, my goodness, I've got a wardrobe of like bad purchases that I actually just need to sell online. Uh, you know, why is it all sitting here? I could just, we have so many platforms now, high time to start to, um, you know, let other people make the most of those things that I'm not wearing. And I'm sure uh, other people feel the same way. But uh, I love the idea of collection that will carry you from day into evening, uh, especially when things get going again. I think people will be even more spontaneous in doing things after work or when uh, they finish for the day. Completely. And we touched on things, how life changes, you change. And with that, your style does evolve and change and your body changes all the time. And it's noticing that and appreciating that and being okay with that. Because so often we can get stuck in either a rush of dressing from maybe a time where we were having a good time, thinking our body's one way and it's not anymore. And really appreciating that and embracing the change rather than trying to force ourselves to be, I don't know, maybe what we were when we were 20 or, you know, there's not putting an age on it so much but trying to just shift, that's an opportunity and it should be looked on as a positive thing and appreciating it. Absolutely. I think it's really well said. And by the way, thank you again for the fabulous, glamorous sequin face masks. I absolutely love them. You are launching on Instagram. Tell us about the product and the fabrics you are using and where everything's made. Firstly, thank you for um, those lovely comments about the masks. I think, you know, if we have to wear them, let's make sure that they're beautiful and glamorous. Yes. So the reason they came about in the first lockdown, I started uh, sewing PPE for the NHS and we had to part of that I did the whole scrubs and everything but part of it was the face masks and the ones I had were huge and really heavy and I so I refined a pattern so they were far more elegant and lighter weight and super soft but still following all the, the guidelines that they needed and on the back of that, I used upcycled fabrics, um, dead stock fabrics, and this formed the foundation for then what I did with the collection of dresses. So I'm working on key shapes of dresses and they're inspired from vintage styles. So there's a timelessness to them. Uh, the fabrics I've sourced are either dead stock fabrics, recycled fabrics or fabrics that can be recycled. And 
with that in mind, it's ease of use. So they're not special fabrics that you have to be particularly careful with and you can, you know, can wash them in 30 degrees. You don't have to iron because who likes ironing? I mean, I'll be the first to have to iron at the kind of the things that get worn the least, unfortunately. You want to be able to throw it in your bag if you are going to the gym or to a yoga class or if you're going when we can all go travelling again. You know, you can take it out and you don't have to then think, oh, does the hotel have a this or a that? It should, it's ease of use and convenience alongside being beautiful, effortlessly chic styles. So that's the basis of the collection and things that will become key wardrobe pieces. I managed to source factories and suppliers that are predominantly UK-based. So the fabrics, most of them come from Italy so low-carbon footprint, and they could work. You know, I didn't want to have huge volumes, huge minimums, and the standards that they worked to in terms of eco-friendly, uh, the dyeing processes, the printing processes, are all of a high calibre there. And alongside of that, I then found a factory. All of the factory and the pattern-making people are sort of in about a three-mile radius of where I live. So, again, reducing the carbon footprint, supporting local businesses and the trims, trying to keep them to a minimum. Because the business is all online, I don't really need swing tickets, so so why have them? And then the packaging that it comes in, the dresses will come in a reusable shopper bag, so for the protection part rather than a piece of plastic. And then the boxes are to the highest level of recycled material and then are recyclable as well. So really thinking about keeping it, as environmentally friendly as possible, as um, carbon footprint low as possible. And, yeah, who wants – it's not about having excess anymore. I think that's that message is a bit tired now. I think so it would much. be irresponsible to start something off and have, you know, excess of it and excess packaging and all of that. I think it's about being as as responsible as possible. Yeah, very much. And I think um, it's certainly the way things are moving forward in the industry at the moment. Um, Many people on the same crusade, interestingly, sort of all doing their own thing, which offers wonderful uh, variety for the consumer. Uh, Like never before, we suddenly have like um, an emergence of independent brands. And I think this is what Instagram has afforded everyone So I'm so excited to see what you're going to be doing because it sounds fabulous and with all the right intentions behind it, it's Mm. very, very exciting. What Mm. inspired you to do your own thing? Well, I loved working at TED and when I left there, I thought, you know, now's the time to do something new. And I'd always had an itch there, so to speak. And I thought, right, well, now, this is what I'm going to do. And the timing seemed right. And, and to touch on a point you mentioned earlier, I think there's a resurgence in the digital media, whether it's social media and e-com, all of that has made it um, far more accessible to get to tap into smaller brands. And it's almost like the modern version of the old-fashioned high street where you had your greengrocer, you had your tailor, you had your dressmaker, you had those little local shops where you knew the person in there I think there's a a modern day take on that that's been enabled through the digital age so that's I thought you know let's tap into that and let's see what happens because it's it intrigues me and it's super exciting 
And I think it's the way forward. Absolutely. And and the wonderful thing, of course, is that you don't have the overheads of needing physical premises. You can work from home to start with. So it sort of creates an opportunity that otherwise, you know, people wouldn't be able to to do. Yeah. And and there's an appetite, I think, for for uniqueness and a, and a story and and people can do that when they're going to us working buying from a smaller brand very much so and lovely to be able to sort of find something you love and buy things that are unique mm. and that you know you're not going to see other people wearing anywhere mm. so there's a lot to be said for that alongside Ellaroom you have been doing a little consulting with a couple of startups what kind of insights and guidance have you been able to share? So I have worked with them on things like uh, range construction because they might be one product type and they want to expand on that. So working on range construction, some have even been one product type, one style. And wow. how, even, yeah, how to even build on that. Yeah, but, that's tough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a challenge. <laughs> works for them and it's like well that's that's amazing and I think that's kind of what made because I I initially had I was like I'm going to do a whole big collection it really made me think no I can really hone this down to being a very concise message sorry I digress there but yeah so building out range construction how they enable that so alongside range planning rolling it out timelines with rolling out giving the resource for that as well and then giving them some insight into other markets, different markets, looking on where they want to expand because some of it's been on this side of the Atlantic and some of it's been on the other side of the Atlantic. Interesting. And then also with that streamlining, just giving them some tips on how to streamline their processes, improve efficiencies. That's in a nutshell what I've been doing and that's what I did for so many years at TED, so it seems a shame not to share that with other people. Absolutely. Are there any results from, it might all be too soon, but are there any results that you can share in terms of things that have helped? Yes. A couple of the businesses, they have, they've put the new parts of the collection into work and they've had success with those sales, so they're ready to build on the next thing. And really uh, how I work with them and how I talk to them, it, it gives them confidence as well in what those next steps are they can take because a lot of people have started these things and they've never worked in the fashion industry at all. Yeah, so they have no idea on on kind of how to take it forward. They've got the the starting point and then they're a little bit lost. And it's wonderful to have someone like yourself that can basically hold their hand and give them that guidance. That's wonderful. Yeah, so they get to a certain point and then they sort of, it's that next step up or that next jump you need to take and they, can get which, one. Yeah, which one is it and one good thing about you know with social media is you do get lots of feedback from the customers but it is an algorithm as well which is manipulated so it's also making them appreciate that that's what it is and they've got to go with what they want to do with their business and not follow an algorithm because the mm-hmm. algorithm changes all the time and you can get unstuck so it's really thinking mm-hmm. you know always going back to well, why did you start this brand and what was your vision for it and who's your dream customer and what do you need in the collection that speaks to them because the algorithm can skew it at times and that's not what you went into the business for so it's going back to what your values are your business values are 
And then how can you move that forward? And what would be the, this is a real American term, the low hanging fruit. (laughs) Absolutely. But great advice. And, you know, and so important that you've mentioned not to fully rely upon the data and to always remember the ethos and the values behind the brand and, you know, what you're putting it out there for, because that's what your, your consumer is, is engaging with. Yes. And you've, all, you've always got to think, well, what if they shut it down? What would you do then? Mm. absolutely absolutely and your customer wants newness from you you know they're looking for the more newness of what you had already given them and the algorithm isn't going to know that (laughs) no this I I still think there's a lot to be said for for human intuition yeah and I think there's there's been a lot of debate about that hasn't there I've read all sorts of interesting articles and heard interesting podcasts and I'm not so sure that computers and digital will ever be able to really replace that because I think that's where our value is and we can harness all these tools but only to a certain extent and this is always the thing with the fashion industry and with investors coming into the industry it's not like churning out cardboard boxes the industry is reliant upon newness, and that's the human factor Yes, completely, completely. Because there's, I've, I've, it was probably the same show that we watched, but the algorithms are based on a very basic mm-hmm. human thought process. That's right. And also, the algorithms are self-serving because those platforms are a business in themselves. So they, the algorithm is going to work to promote that own that business and the success there. So it's not necessarily got your own business's best interests at heart. So true. It's so true. This is the thing. So I think, yeah, very valuable guidance that you're able to bring then and to teach owners how to have the confidence to take things forward and remain true to the intention of what they started without kind of getting lost. It's very easy to get lost in the data. So um, yeah, it's a bit like a forest full of like um, very tall grass and you've got to kind of weave your way through so um yeah you actually need to always have your head above the surface yes completely and really always go back to why you started it what are the values and sometimes those values do need to change and and alter but it's doing that with intention rather than just as a knee-jerk reaction to what something's saying one day versus something the next because that that's far too fluid and and not often reliable yeah, it's very true. And I guess that evolution should also be quite slow as well in response to just time moving forward, the world around us moving forward. It's like you probably never need to kind of knee jerk. You can take your time with these things. Yeah, because it's there was some, oh, I can't remember the actual statistic, but it's frightening amount of how how little people see of what you do, certainly in social media. So you've got that luxury to re-go, re-go, re-go with the same thing because it's only small snippets of your audience that are seeing that. And it's almost like if you're not bored of your own message yet, you haven't said it enough. Mm. It's so true. That's the thing. You're catching different people at different Mm. times all the time. That's always the thing to bear in mind. Mm. So that's kind of one of the flaws with it. Yes. Because you're reliant on when people are tuning in. Yeah, completely, and how, and how that 
how they push your post or your thing out because they might not do it when you post it. They might do it, I don't know, whenever they think customer X, Y and Z is going on, how they massage and manipulate it around. I mean, I've seen that with my own things. It's like, you know, for months there's been a spike in a certain thing and then all of a sudden none and that's through nothing different that I've done. So it's, Mm. yeah, it's quite interesting what they do. Also having, yeah, also being aware of that, not letting it dictate. Absolutely. Acknowledges power and I think it's hard to always be across everything as a business owner, learning these important things and remembering them is, is really crucial. You are also a yoga teacher and we've touched on yoga and the vibe of balance and strength always comes to mind when I think of yoga. I also practice yoga. How long have you been teaching and, and what does it add to your life and, and that of your students? Well, I think I've been practicing yoga pretty much all my life. I remember doing it as a child with my mum and then I actually became a qualified teacher about four years ago. I never went into it with the intention of teaching. I went into develop my practice um, and learn, which I certainly did. I mean, I've, there's been some life lessons in all of it. I mean, even just the learning it is is quite an experience in itself. I started teaching more and more and especially through lockdown because I wanted to share the benefits that I felt from it because some people also think, oh, yeah, I have to sit there and do a class for an hour over an hour. No, you don't. I can, And that's what I like to share is lots of little snapshots of, you know, you could do this for five minutes and it will bring you into the present and that's where the power is and suddenly you'll be so much more focused, you know, sharing in things like a daily practice. Yeah, you don't have to get up an hour early and sit and do this, that. Just give yourself five minutes. Make it a tea ritual, a coffee ritual. Make yourself a coffee. Make yourself a tea. Turn it into something that you think about where the tea came from. You think about the temperature of the tea. You think about the taste of the tea in your mouth. And that just brings you into a a certain level of calmness that can then, you know, you can set the intention for the day. One of my clients told me this wonderful story so I gave them this little exercise to do called the ego eradicator I don't know if you've heard of it I have heard of it yes so you have your arms out and then you have your fists clenched and your thumbs up and she's a school teacher and she especially when schools were on off this that the other they all and at, at high school you have to sit like all in one class now you can't move around so she was giving her class this ego eradication to do and they loved it they used to ask her then to do it and and I just I love that I love that yoga can do that it's accessible in so you know people go I'm not very bendy I can't do yoga it's actually nothing to do with how flexible you are it's about you know breath and body just bringing coming into your body because we're in our heads way too much you come into your body, you know, our, our heart is the actual, if you've done heart mapping, it's the biggest energy space. You come into that and it really helps you work far more efficiently, far more effectively and greater energy. And there's so many things you can do to lift your energy, calm you down. They're the things that I really want to share with people. I love that. It's so inspiring. 
many people feel drawn to a holistic lifestyle as we've touched on already and it's definitely something that's wholly attainable in today's world and leads on nicely from us talking about yoga what does a holistic lifestyle mean for you I think it means leading an intuitive life uh, where you can be true to your values and and then ultimately be the best version of yourself. With that, then you have a greater empathy for other people. So that sort of summarises a holistic life. There's a great thing I learnt from my yoga practice, which is having conscientious detachment. So in any situation you're really thinking about how you're being how the other person is so you have a far more productive meaningful conversation rather than going through life on autopilot reacting all the time which I've certainly been guilty of like being busy 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 ticking boxes all the time you know that's not really what life is about is it it's not about a series of to-do lists that you tick but it's stepping away from that and thinking about, well, what makes me tick and what do I want out of this day, this week, this year? So it's having the space in life to do that. And I think that's why it's so important now having more flexible working or working as an entrepreneur that you can actually do that and be that. And then it links into the whole vibe of the the Ella Room brand, that it's about mood and mindset and expression. Beautiful. What are your goals for the early stage organic growth of Ella Room? So it's launching the dress collection. And then with that, it's a sustainable launch. From this, I'm working on it really being key shapes that don't, they're key silhouettes that you know that shape you, you're comfortable to return to time and time again, but then using different fabrications, different weights, and different colours and prints, so playing with it like that. So it becomes a, when you think of something like, say, Nike trainers, you kind of know what that's about. So it's creating that with these dresses that you can't... Wardrobe staples. I would call that wardrobe staples. Yes, completely. And you've always got, okay, I know where I can go to for that and it's there and I can rely on it. Then it's also building around that, just making the brand message louder stronger and that would be through social media but I'd also like to do some pop-up events maybe even a little pop-up shop at some point in time working on styling sessions so I've got some of those in the pipeline as well so really just building out the whole thing and and making it louder bigger stronger really exciting how many hats are you wearing right now? Uh, well, I love that this is a hat question because, you know, I used to work for a hat company. I'm actually, I actually have trained as a milliner. This is in Australia. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. I studied millinery when I did my fashion degree. That's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Oh. It was part of it. I actually, I'm trained as a tailoring designer. I don't know. We did a moment of millinery in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I did that. And, um, I like to think of it more, how it's manageable in my mind is plate spinning. Yes. Good you can get one going, get the other. So oh God, there's got to be like, you know, probably 30 on the go. And I set one off, you know, so I'm the, the founder, I'm the yoga teacher, I'm the designer, I'm the production person, I'm the logistics person, I'm the IT person, customer services, uh, the spokesperson, the 
marketing person. Uh, the list goes on and on. Fulfillment, the stylist. <laughs> but I, I love it. I have learned. I mean, there's some things that I was like, oh, no, I can't, I can't do that. I don't know that. But once I actually get into it, it's like, oh, wow. And I've learned so much. And I think, isn't that what life's all about? Learning? But like, Absolutely. Life is all about learning. And and who cares what it is you're doing if you're learning from it and it's a new thing or it's a thing you're doing differently or it's just something you're still doing that it's repetitive. There's always something to get from it. Completely. Completely. I mean, who would have thought I have other yoga teachers ask me about it. I seem to be some Zoom expert. Who would have thought in a million years that, I, you know, there's some things and people are asking me about it now and I'm like, okay. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, I'll know, now I know where to come if I have a Zoom problem. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I get people messaging me like, oh, do you know how to fix this? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, being in IT, I was always the one, oh, don't, don't make me touch the computer. But it's actually quite, it's actually quite logical. When yes. <laughs> you take the emotion out of it, oh, this isn't working, and think about it. It's a very logical thing. So it is. Yeah. And if it, it and if it's something you really can't fathom, you ask Google, and Google definitely has the answer. Definitely. Yeah. And a reboot always works. So I mean, yeah. always solvable. Yes, we job. Yeah, completely. It's such an adventure. It's exciting. Yeah. Oh, I like that. It's good. It's how it should be. That's why you're doing it. It's, uh, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's inspiring. What has been your greatest achievement so far, would you say? Aside from my children, because that is a great, and that was that is the real turning page in someone's life, having having a child just was like, oh, wow, now I understand a lot, a lot more than I did before. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it's quite a bittersweet role, but it's amazing most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed, good way, of, good way of summing it up. I think the life that I've created in London, because I, you know, how we talked about it earlier. I mean, getting to choose to live where I do, not many people ever do get get that choice and love it and are, and are happy about it. So I think that is for me, a, a huge achievement and to be able to have the luxury to do that and sustain it and and probably initially from the get-go be brave with it. When I think back, I mean, it's probably like, what was I thinking? Like, But, it, you know, I think, you know, the, I like to always think the universe rewards risks. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. So, and again, and it goes back to that not having a what if. I don't want to have that what if moment I remember someone talking to me about you know this is a look at your life as a big long line and think about where you realistically are on it well what do you want this because we can't we can't start from the beginning but we can start from where we are and rewrite from there if we want to so I think I always try and think of that as a refreshing point of view on how we can be successful and how we can achieve new things and and make life interesting and an adventure and expand and grow. Yeah, absolutely. We can do anything at any point in time, more yeah. so now than ever. We have much better health. We have, you know, we gone of the days of life being super hard in the way it kind of crushed people. We're not, it's not like that anymore. Um, yeah. 
almost ageless, timeless. We've got so many resources at our fingertips. We can do anything whenever we want. And that's the one about it. Yeah. To me, it's what keeps me vital. I think you could easily just fall into that. Oh, well, I wouldn't want to. You know, you sort of get, you, you don't want to be stuck. I think it's about flow and it brings it back all back to the, the yoga side of it. You want to have a flow and like, for me, life needs to flow. And I think if you don't work into that, that's when you can actually get sick as well. Yeah, very much so. You don't want to be stagnant. It's so true. Because yeah. that does get in the body somewhere and that's yeah. when, think, when you can get ill and things. Yeah, like not that. be thriving. Absolutely. What are your aspirations and goals for 2021 building on from this? Because it's the most appropriate moment. Yeah. So it's really having, you know, having getting my teeth stuck into Ellery, you know, like we talked before, I, you know, I love, you know, the buyer in me. I want to, you know, get those those sales happening and start having that chase of like, let's get this in now, let's build on that and let's grow that. So that's one of my goals for 2021. Building the Ella Room community as well. So fascinating, meeting so many interesting people with that and having that real life event. Um, the other thing too, uh, going on holiday. <laughs> oh, how exciting. How are you here? Staycation? No, I think we're going to go to Italy, but it'll be a bit later on when things have opened up. But um, yeah, I think need. I think that's something important, important in my life, in our lives. Yeah, I, I have the same intention. I've got a friend that's moving, friend in the industry that's moving from Canada to New York, and I'd love to go out and see her. So when the borders eventually reopen, it's yeah. on my list. <laughs> I think that's, I think, and I think we need those things in our life to give us hope, don't we? Yeah, we do. We need to get, we need to get out, see a change of scenery and just experience a different vibe for a while. And then we come back, we're energized, we're refreshed. Yeah. So, yeah it's really important I'm so much more appreciative of what we have like I love that you know when you've been away whether it's for work or holiday and you come home and you're like oh my own bed oh my own this oh my own that and it's just that whole whole renewal again of of what you've already got yeah it's energized part doesn't it yeah and then you might look at something and go oh not so fond of how I've set that up and I'm going to change that so I think it's I think it's really healthy yeah it gives you a new perspective absolutely I think that's that's a brilliant insight Mm. leads us on to my closing question which is this if you could hire any three people in the world to lend their expertise to Ella Room who would you choose and why okay so not really in any particular order okay I'll go with Debbie Harry I've always loved her style and after reading her biography, I just, I want to know more because I didn't feel it, it didn't really scratch the surface and I think she, you know, she's got such an iconic style. I, she paved the way for women in her industry. I would love to work with her to really get into what makes her tick and how, to me, she must have completely immersed herself in that life so it's to capture that because I think that's what brings success when you're completely living breathing what you're about it's it's almost like it's part of your DNA so working with with her on that uh also getting her insight into someone that you know 
she looks good for eight. And I know she's had things done, but she seems to have grown old with relative grace. So how how she deals with that, how she, you know, she's embraced change, her body changing, how the world around her has changed. So really tapping into that part of her as well, I think would be super useful, super interesting and informative. Very much so. The other person I put is um, Serena Williams. Great choice. Because I think to get to that level in the sporting world, you have to have such focus, such dedication, such drive, and it's finding out what do you do in your day? How is that working for you? How do you evolve with that as well? Because she's moved into, you know, some fashion. She was at the Met Gala when that was last on. She's, you know, got her finger in a few different pies now. So how is she evolving that? How is she tapping into all of that? And how is she adapting to change, her changing life, her changing body, her change, all those things, getting into that mindset, I think would be amazing. I'd learn so much from her. She's very inspiring. Yeah, she is. She's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Who would be your final person? Banksy. Oh, yeah, that's nice. That's a good one. We haven't had Banksy before. There's such an intrigue. And what I think is the message is so powerful that it's, you know, there's the intrigue of who the person is, but, you know, this, the, the message and what they put out is just so powerful and so successful. It resonates around the world. It resonates with so many different age groups. It's created a community as well. You know, you see when you go to the not only the exhibitions but when there is the artwork in the street, how so many people flock to it, um, what they do with it, how they interpret it. I just find it fascinating. You know, I've, I've always been a fan and been to some, you know, I've been fortunate enough to go to some of the exhibitions over the years. Fun fact, our, um, our former next-door neighbours, they actually had, some Banksy's, they like they know the person it was like oh can you? but they wouldn't tell us it was like oh, oh <laughs> wow but yeah so I I think I mean that would just be again such a learning curve as to how to have and create such a strong and focused message absolutely he's um, he's going to depict he'll be the artist that depicts this mm. time won't he yeah because you can yeah to artists from years ago you know whether it's Salvador Dali or whoever it might be that you know depict a certain moment in time and it will be Banksy for us Mm. completely Completely. no great choice I love all three they're wonderful so thank you so much it's been such a joy to have you come on here and share your incredible insights tell us all about Ellu Room bring these gems of inspiration. And of course, we'll share links so that people can look up Ella Room and tune in and see what you're going to be doing. But a huge thank you. It's been absolutely wonderful. Oh, thank you so much, Fiona. I have loved it. I mean, it's great to chat with you. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, join me next time when I will be speaking with another inspiring individual. And if you are enjoying the series, hit the subscribe button to receive notifications on upcoming episodes where you'll get to hear first-hand insights from across the global fashion and creative industries. 